What's going on, everyone, and welcome to Total Sports Talk Beyond the Lights. I am your host, Matthew Raritan, and man, this weekend right here is the weekend of college football. I mean, we've got the New York New Year Six matchups happening right now, and it's just going to be crazy. It really is. This is the time of the year as college football fans you're, you've been waiting for, but you've also been hoping for. You've been hoping that your team is going to be in these matchups. You're hoping your team is going to be in the college football playoffs. So even if your team is not and you're a college football fan, you're going to be tuned in. You're going to be watching this just as we are. And what we're going to do today is we're going to preview these New Year's, New Year Six matchups and ha- give you guys our opinions and our predictions. So first things first, I want to introduce my co-hosts here. First, we've got David Shreep. What's up, y'all? And he's got the hat today. <laughs> and secondly, we've got Ed Smith. Hook him, y'all. Hook him, indeed. You know, I was we we missed you, David. Or sorry, Ed, on the last show, and all I could think about was Ed somewhere right now trying to incorporate hook him into a sentence somewhere uh, because you know he lives. That's how he lives is is Longhorns all the way, and we are going to talk about those Longhorns. But first, we are going to dive into the Peach Bowl, and I do want to note here that as of right now, while we are filming, the Ohio State and Missouri game is being played, so it'd be kind of a pointless almost to give our predictions we still can talk about it briefly but it is happening live as we speak so we're just actually going to jump straight into the peach bowl and the peach bowl is Ole Miss versus Penn State and this is actually a very intriguing one for me because both most of both the teams are actually playing in this game you know if you watched any of the games earlier you saw a Notre Dame and Oregon State matchup where you probably didn't recognize almost anyone on that field because a lot of players are opting out and they are entering the transfer portal and a lot of them I mean for good reason are trying to be healthy cuz as they are going into the NFL draft but you know this is a last hurrah for these teams and this is a big game Ole Miss and Penn State They've kind of been like the little brother in their prospective conferences with the Big Ten and the SEC. But make no mistake, these are still both good teams. But you look at the quarterback situation with Jackson Dart and Drew Aller, and it's like, well, who's going to be more explosive in this game? And, I mean, who's going to make these big plays? And is the run game going to be – you know, in effect for Ole Miss because that's usually their their go to when you have a running back like Quinshawn Junkins back there. It's usually your go to, but they're playing a very talented Penn State defensive line. But if Penn State wins this game, they'll actually have won every single New Year New Year Six matchup. So uh, maybe that's something to look out for. I mean, it's kind of like a pat on the back if you're a uh, Penn State because you have not won the big one yet, and you just happen to be there. You haven't won the big one, but. Um, if Ole Miss wins, it really shows that they mean business. If you haven't been paying attention, Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss, you know, they currently bolster the number one rank transfer portal class right now. So, and they just got top target Walter Nolan in the transfer portal. So they are trying to show the rest of the nation that they mean business and a win like this would help but it's going to have to see how they do next year. But my prediction for this game, I really feel like Penn State is going to pull this one out, even with uh, not having filled in their offensive coordinator position yet. But I think they are going to pull this one out 32-27. to 27. So Penn State, I got 32-27. Uh, Ed, I mean, how are you seeing this game? Well, 
with as many players that are playing, the two only true opt-outs that we know at this time are going to be defensive ends for both teams. And that's Chop Robinson and Cedric Johnson uh, for Penn State and Ole Miss, respectively. We, we could still see uh, Olu Fushanu, uh, the tackle, uh, Kalen King, the cornerback, and Johnny Dixon, the cornerback, for uh, Penn State opt out before we hit game time. So that would make a huge difference when we're talking about an Ole Miss offense that, let's be honest, Lane Kiffin is the offensive coordinator. Let's make no bones about that part of it. Uh, <clears throat> but that in itself, I think, is going to create more uh, more opportunities for the Ole Miss offense to be more explosive than what Penn State is in. I, I say nothing ill of Penn State's ability to – play offense and be physical and do the things that James Franklin wants to do. But when you have the missing, a big portion of the missing uh, from Penn state's defensive line, they're not going to get to Jackson dart nearly as well as Ole Miss's line is going to get to drew Aller. So uh, I actually see this opposite of you, uh, Matthew. I'm seeing this as more of a, 38-24 game, uh, you know, and that Ole Miss offense just really showing out, uh, you know, being on the fast track in the Dome, you know, in the Georgia Dome, uh, just really taking advantage of every opportunity and every advantage that they have of being from, from the area in front of mostly their, uh, their home crowd. It's going to be a closer home game for them than it is Penn State, but also for as many people that are on Ole Miss's roster that are from the South, they're going to have more people in the stands. And, you know, that's that extra motivation, especially in a bowl game that these kids really feed off of. Uh, when I'm talking about the wide receiver cores for Ole Miss, Jordan Watkins, he's uh, – had 732 yards this year. Uh, Trey Harris, 851 and eight touchdowns. They're going to get theirs during this game, uh, especially if those two cornerbacks from Penn State opt out. Uh, Penn State, they have been relying so much on the run. It hasn't been as explosive of a run, but <clears throat> they have been getting the job done throughout the year. Uh, but overall, like I said, Ole Miss, I've got coming out, in bigger fashion than what most people think uh, coming out of this game. David, what are you seeing? Well, uh, interesting fact, uh, this is actually going to be the uh, very first meeting between these uh, two uh, football teams. And also, if Ole Miss wins, they will accomplish something sig significant in their history. They have never had an 11-win season before, and if they beat Penn State, they'll get their first ever 11-win uh, uh, season. L listen, when I look at this, uh, when I look at this matchup, I look at a team that's more known for its offense in Ole Miss versus a team that's more known for its defense in Penn State. Even though, funny enough, I'm pretty sure Penn State actually averages more uh, points on offense than uh, than uh, Ole Miss does, um, but. But uh, I don't think anybody will uh, be mistaken that Ole Miss is certainly uh, more known for its offense than uh, you know than, than uh, Penn State is. 
you know, and I think the fact that we don't have a lot of uh, opt-outs, I think, is a huge and good for the game. Although, um, obviously, Chop Robinson opting out for uh, Penn State is a, a massive loss for them. But I think Penn State still has the uh, depth to uh, compete with Ole Miss. Now, notice what I said there. I said compete with Ole Miss because I'm actually taking Ole Miss in, in this one. I'm going to take uh, Ole Miss in a 26-19 to uh, 19 victory. Okay, okay. I see you guys are all about, all aboard the lane train in this game. But I, it really would be big for Lane Kiffin and, and the Ole Miss Rebels as they go for their first 11-win season. And it'd be a true 11-win season because you're looking at uh, the very few opt-outs on that team. So I will definitely give them props if that happens. But this next bowl game, this one hits close. It is the Fiesta Bowl. And... You know, guys, this one's tough for me because, well, I wish my Ducks were actually playing in another New Year's Six matchup, and that would be the college football playoff, but that did not quite happen. That's not how the cookie crumbled this year. But uh, I know Ed will probably most likely go over this, but the Ducks are going to be at uh, without some of their top players, including Troy Franklin uh, at wideout and their uh, all-pro center, Jackson Powers Johnson, who is just a – just a mean machine down there. And what a name, too. Right? I know. <laughs> JPJ. Yeah, baby. Powers. But, yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, they have opted out because they are seniors. They're going to be going into the, the draft. But, you know, guys, I still think the Ducks win this game pretty easily, even without them. I think this Cinderella story for mm-hmm. the Liberty Flames is uh, going to go down in flames. Uh, I don't want to discredit what Jamie Chatwell has done there. I think he has done a phenomenal job, and I really like the guy as as a head coach. And I think he's going to go off to do many great things, but it's going to continue at Liberty. Um, But I love what Dan Lanning has done more for the Ducks. And I don't say that as a as a fan, but I, and I still can say that as a fan. But what Dan Lanning is doing with the Ducks, he is he's turning this team into a powerhouse that is going to compete next year in the Big Ten with several other powerhouses and hopefully in the college football playoff. But I think Bo Nix goes out with a bang. My score prediction for this game is forty nine to thirty one Ducks. And I just think Bo Nix has a phenomenal game to end his college career. I mean, 10 years in the league. I'm just kidding. But he's been in for a while. But he is going to go out with a great gift. And I wish nothing but the best for him later on. But David, I mean, uh, Fiesta Bowl, uh, Oregon, where they should have probably been maybe in a college football playoff game had they done this, this, and that. Do you see them winning this bowl game still? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, and even with Oregon's opt-outs, which are very big opt-outs, uh, by the way, there's a reason why they're massive favorites over the uh, Liberty uh, Flames. Oregon is just an all-around uh, much better team. You know, I, I agree with you. Uh, kudos to uh, Jamie Chadwell for uh, what he's been able to uh, do, do with those guys. And let's keep in mind that Liberty is actually the number one rushing offense in the country. They average, I believe, 303 yards per game, which is about 20 more than the uh, next closest team, right? But you're also dealing with an Oregon team that also has a very uh, strong defense as well. And, you know, no offense to Liberty, 
but it's also kind of easy to uh, average a lot of rushing yards when you're uh, not exactly playing the toughest schedule uh, in the world. So um, I'm going to, I'm going to agree, agree with your offensive prediction here, Matthew. I also think the Bucks uh, are going to score 49 points, but I think their uh, defense is actually going to be a stout, and I think it's going to be a 49-22 to 22 victory in favor of Oregon. Ed? Well, I, I well, let's make it a clean sweep across the board uh, for the Oregon Ducks in this one. I, yes, there are some opt-outs, four of them from the regular roster. There were 10 transfers uh, you know, that hit the transfer portal. Interestingly enough, Liberty didn't have anybody opt-out. It's just transfers uh, that are not playing in this game, and there's nine of them. You know, not anybody that I can recognize as being a big uh, portion that would make a difference in what we're talking about in this game. But you're exactly right, David. The rushing offense for Liberty is stout. Uh, Caden Salter, uh, he was a beast this year. Uh, 1,064 rushing yards as their QB, 2,750 passing yards with 31 touchdowns and five interceptions uh, at quarterback. Now, that makes him the Jaden Daniels of G5, if you will. Uh <laughs> But that's not going to save them. Uh, you know, you've got when you've got Bo Nix, who has been playing college ball since the second Bush was in office. Uh, you know, you've still got uh, Taz Johnson, that was you know a thousand yard receiver for the year. You know, that's uh, that's a huge uphill battle for Liberty to be in this. I don't expect them to. There's a bit of decorum that I see with Dan Lanning not rubbing it in. Uh, so I don't think they're going to hit 49. I think they're going to hit 41 to 14 uh, because there's definitely going to be some uh, downtrodden uh, Liberty Flames players that are just like, why did we even come here after they get trounced on in the first half of that ball game? So that's I'm not seeing that big a spread. Uh, as what y'all are calling for uh, as far as the offensive side. But uh, it's right right about in line with what um, David and I had as far as number of points. Mm-hmm. It's just I, I'm scaling it back just a little bit because I don't see a lot of 50-point outputs in a bowl game. That's just not something that uh, you see very often. Yeah, very, very, very true. Um, I mean, I, I'm just interested to see how long they would keep Bo Nix in this game. It's just, it's amazing enough that he is even playing in this game. So I'm excited to see that. But this next game, it, it's one of my favorite ones. It's the Orange Bowl. And guys, and that is between Florida State and Georgia. And you guys remember the Muhammad Ali song. And, you know, my favorite UFC fighter comes out to it now. And that is the champ is here. Well, you know. The good old self-proclaimed national champions, Florida State Seminoles, or should I call them the UCF Knights 2.0, they have been in just about every headline for the last three weeks. Honestly, it's Florida State this, Florida State that. Um, And some things were were actually pretty accurate. So I don't want to say that I'm I'm trashed on Florida State because they were a phenomenal team this year. But – this is not that Florida State team. We are going to see a completely different Florida State team. Their backup and who was their now quarterback 
Tate Rodemaker is gone. He's in the transfer portal. So now they are down to their third string quarterback. And practically the rest of their team is opting out. And I'm actually going to let Ed take that over there because he's got several things he wants to say about it. But I'm just going to go with my prediction here. And you guys, this may make your jaw drop, but I've got Georgia winning 52 to 10. I really do. I 10 maybe even generous for Florida State. Did you see what they were able to do against Louisville? Barely nothing. This is not Louisville. You're playing Georgia Bulldogs, which were back-to-back defending champs. So I just think this game's going to be a little out of hand. And, yes, Ed, I do have to agree that uh, 50 points in a bowl game is going to be pretty crazy. But Georgia wants to beat these guys, and they want to beat them bad because Florida State, everything that they're saying about uh, them, you know, they, they should have been in there. And Georgia also thinks maybe they should have been in there. Well, Georgia's going to put – a spanking on them, but I want you, Ed, to kind of take over with the whole opt-out situation. Sure, sure. Uh, I I want to put it like this: Georgia is the is the uh, college football team that you order on Amazon. Florida State right now is a college football team that you order on Wish. <laughs> they are they are just a secondary shell of what the actual product is, you know, you're still going to have, Oh, we're going to fight hard. We're going to, you know, go get them. When you have the top three press catchers, you know, opt out and or transfer portal out and your uh, top running back transfer portal out and your uh, starting quarterback devastating injury. And that's what started this whole domino effect. You know, it's basically the entire team saying, no, we we deserve this. You did not allow us to fulfill what we did. So we are not going to give you the product that you expect out of this. It, it is a and I don't blame them. There's no blame to be had. I don't think anybody blames Florida State for doing this. You know, all these players. But the only thing that I do have on that is what happened to playing for the team? What happened to playing for the school? What happened to playing for your brothers that you've been out there on the field with since March, since spring practice? What happened to that type of camaraderie as opposed to everybody just going, you know what? I feel disrespected. I, 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 I'm going to go into the transfer portal and get out of this because Obviously, the CFP doesn't care about us one bit, no matter if we win all of our games or not. They're still not going to let us fulfill what we set out to do, which, you know, it's it's a tough break. I get it. I'm so with you on this. But in the end, I do think the CFP made the right call. I've said that on this show before. Uh, Now, getting to the game itself. Georgia is currently a 20-point favorite, and it's not going to be that close. It is not. You know, this is this is basically the Monstars playing the, uh, you know, playing the Sisters of the Poor out there, uh, just in their overall skill ability. Now, when you start looking at number of, you know, just for context, there were 16, 16, transfers from Florida State's roster. 
plus 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, uh, 13 other opt-outs. So 85 scholarships, 30 of them are not going to be there. That is a ridiculous situation that they're in. Now, on the flip side, Georgia, they did have four opt-outs, and including the best player in college football, Brock Bowers. I know Jane Daniels won the Heisman, but I think we all agree Brock Bowers is the actual best player in college football. But they even they still had 21, op, uh, 21 transfers uh, going into this game. So it's, it, uh, it's really the transfer bowl if you really want to get down to it. Uh, but in the end... You know, I'm with you, Matthew. It's it's not going to be pretty. It's going to be, you know, what kind of popcorn are you bringing out in the third quarter to keep people interested? Yeah. Well, well also, people. like, in fairness, aren't most of Georgia's transfers just guys who didn't get much oh, significant depth. playing time? Yeah. Yeah, it's depth at this point. Yeah. yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. So, you know, all these players come going out. You know, you've got players coming in, like a certain running back from Florida. Sorry, David. <laughs> uh, uh, so as a final score, I do traitor. The what? Traitor. That's all I'm yeah. gonna say. <laughs> uh, I have this at forty-two fifteen. You know, you know, a garbage time touchdown with a two-point conversion. That's all I'm really expecting out of uh, Florida State at this point. Uh, David, uh, do you have a couple of extra thoughts on that? I do, and I also want to piggyback on your uh, transfer. Uh, comments like it is a complete joke that that players are transferring like before their bowl games even begin and i'm i'm not necessarily blaming the, tr- the players for uh taking advantage of an opportunity there i'm more so blaming the ncaa for putting out an absolutely asinine rule like who the hell opens the transfer portal before the, the bowl games like can we all be in agreement that 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 is just absolutely ludicrous the it's transfer portal yes the transfer portal should not open until bowl season is over right but uh listen as far as uh, florida state versus georgia goes man it, is there even any point in making like in doing a preview right now because let's be honest we practically got Georgia's uh, first team squad against FSU's 45th string squad. Okay. The amount of people who have opted out of FSU is absolutely insane. And then obviously, uh, the loss of Jordan Travis is uh, massive as well. And we've talked about it before. FSU, at least on offense, is not the same team at all ever since uh, Jordan Travis went down. And listen, being a, being a Florida fan, I hope both of these teams lose, right? Well, I see your predictions, guys, and I'm going to uh, one-up y'all. I'm taking Georgia in a 59-0 victory, which I believe would set the record for the uh, largest margin of victory in a, in a bowl game, which was actually set last year also by Georgia against TCU. So, yeah, I think I think Georgia is going to go absolutely uh, wild on these guys. Like, and I... I can't even see FSU like I could see FSU maybe mustering up a field goal, but I can't see them scoring like I can't see them scoring ten points at all. I mean, look at that roster. Yeah. You, you look at that roster and you're going to tell me that those guys are going to score at least ten points. It's not going to happen. 
Yeah, the 10 is maybe generous, but we'll see. We'll definitely see. But this next one is the granddaddy of them all. It is the Rose Bowl. And it is actually a phenomenal matchup between Michigan and Alabama. And I'm actually going to let Ed take this first. Let us know kind of how you're seeing this Rose Bowl and how it's going to play out. Well, just to get what we've been talking about, you know, because it's part of all these bowl games, let's get the opt-outs out of the way. There's only four of them opting out for uh, transfer portal for Michigan, five for Alabama. So we're strength on strength here, guys. There's there's no uh, doubt about that. And when we're looking at the playmakers of this game, is there anybody else that is garnering as much attention as Jalen Monroe does? I mean, this is this might turn out to be deja vu for the Michigan fan base all over again uh, because I'm I'm old enough to remember Vince Young running wild on these guys uh, on the on Michigan in the Rose Bowl and you know coming out victorious. I think that can happen again here. There's there's a good possibility that Jalen Monroe beats Michigan with arms and legs, you know, just being more explosive than what Michigan has to offer. Because let's be honest, Michigan's schedule did not really set them up set them up to play a team like Alabama. You know, Alabama is going to be that more explosive. They're going to be just as physical on the offensive and defensive line as what Michigan is. So, you know, the only close proximity that Michigan has played all year was Ohio State. You know, Penn State, yeah, that's that's kind of the next tier down. But Alabama has done this consistently throughout the season, playing teams of this caliber. And they're ready for this. That's why I'm thinking that Alabama – does have a better shot of winning this. Yes, it's been a phenomenal season for the Wolverines. Yes, there's, you know, especially with all the chaos going on off the field, you know, it's brought them closer to together on the field. And there's nothing more dangerous than a group of kids like that with a purpose. And their purpose is to play for Coach Harbaugh. And, you know, there's they are really going to get after it. And that's what is going to keep this game so tight up until the end. But Saban has done his best coaching job overall this season, and I think it uh, comes to fruition uh, with this game. And Alabama comes out 28-24. Uh, I mean, I that it, it is going to be a close game. I truly do believe that. This isn't your normal Alabama team. This isn't the, the dominating team. Uh, Bama team that you're used to seeing and you know it comes down to looking almost at on paper the quarterbacks you've got J.J. McCarthy you got Jalen Milrow nine times nine people out of ten are probably going to take Milrow the, the the one guy who takes J.J. McCarthy is because well McCarthy has been clean pretty much most of the year I get Alabama has played in the SAC, which uh, is very arguable with the, the Big Ten on, you know, if they're more superior. But the thing with Milrow is he could get a little careless, and I've noticed that about him uh, throughout this year. 
So who's that one guy that's taking J.J. McCarthy? I hate to say it. It shocks me, but that's me. I think that J.J. McCarthy is going to have the game of his life. I think that having Jim Harbaugh, he's going to have his soldiers, his troops in a war position. I just, I truly feel like that. I feel like this is going to be a Michigan Wolverine team that is determined. They are determined to prove all these doubters, all the media wrong because everything they've done to their coach, everything that has been a distraction, they're out here to prove that they are just as great. And they're going to shock the world. Even though they're the number one seed, I think they're going to shock the world by beating Alabama. And I've got this a 42-38 game. And notice that it's a four-point difference. I strongly have that as a four-point. I see this game literally ending on the last play because they can't do a field goal. Jalen Monroe is going to try to have that magic just like he did against Auburn but he's going to fall short. I, I really feel like this is going to come down to the last play of the game where Milrow is going to heave a pass to the end zone. This time, he's not going to get as lucky to get one-on-one coverage. I love how the number one seed beating the number four seed is a shocking victory. <laughs> when you're Bama, that's how it is. <laughs> Fair enough. Listen, before I get into my preview, I just ask you all a question. How come nobody... And maybe people do talk about it, and I just don't hear it enough. But in general, why don't people talk about the fact that Michigan is quite literally one and six in bowl games in the Jim Harbaugh era? That is absolutely atrocious. And yet, I barely hear anybody talk about it, especially at a big time school like like Michigan. Like, am I like am I dumb here, Ed, or do do enough do not enough people talk about it? I don't think enough people talk about it because keep in mind, uh, people were on the fire har- hardball train when he couldn't beat Ohio State because he was uh, facing superior coaching. You know, whereas now Ryan Day may may not be good a coach as uh, Jim Harbaugh is. So Harbaugh has been able to take advantage of that, and they've won the uh, the past two years, but. You know, you've put Harbaugh against elite coaching, and he struggles. That's a that is part of it. And to your point, David, that's that's the missing piece of why you're seeing more people take Alabama over Michigan because we all know Saban is a superior coach. Oh yeah, absolutely. You got, you got any thoughts on that, Matthew? Before I go on. Yeah, I mean, actually, Ed pretty much hit it right on uh, the nail because they had always talked about before Jim Harbaugh couldn't beat Ohio State, fire Harbaugh. And it's funny because now it's fire day. You know, Ryan Day can't beat Jim Harbaugh to fire yeah. him. So how yeah. the table turned is crazy. But it, I think if this distractions weren't going on with Harbaugh, the sign stealing, and is he going to the NFL, the, the media would be talking all about this because that's what they've talked about for years. So now they have something else to talk about. Their minds are distracted. So if that wasn't happening, they would be talking about it. And it does need to be talked about. One in six is horrible. I mean, look at this Miami Hurricane team. They haven't won a bowl game since since 2013, I'm pretty sure. It's been that long. So 
that is something to talk about. Some teams just do not perform well when it comes to these games. And Mich- and uh, Jim Harbaugh, unfortunately, is one of those guys, but I still am choosing him. I I am sticking to my guns there. But, yeah, yeah I want to hear what sure. you say, David. Yeah, no, that's definitely fair. Um, I mean, overall, like, you know, when I look at this matchup, uh, first of all, Alabama is the absolute last team that the Wolverines uh, want to see. They wanted to face uh, Florida State, and even though they'll never admit it externally, I promise you, internally for a lot of those guys, they're like, oh, damn, man, we got we to face um, Alabama. And listen, I've we've talked about it on this show several times that Alabama has been getting better uh, each and every game. Jalen Milrow has been getting better uh, each and every game. Like the guy who, uh, if I remember correctly, uh, got benched in the uh, USF game, where I don't think he got benched. Like, did, did he did he even play in that game? He got benched. Oh, he okay, got, cool. He got benched. Okay, well, I think you can catch my drift here. Like, the guy who emerged from that quarterback to the quarterback he is now and will more than likely um, be the uh, favorite for the Heisman uh, Trophy uh, next year. Listen, Jim Harbaugh versus Nick Saban, okay? Nick Saban is the greatest uh, college football coach of all time, with all due respect to uh, Bear Bryant, also an, an Alabama coach. When you have uh, Coach Saban in a bowl game, especially one that has national championship implications, I just can't bet against. Uh, I just can't. I can't bet against the guy. All right. And going back to what we talked about before about Michigan being one and six in bowl games under Jim Harbaugh, guys, keep in mind, it, it it's not like Michigan started zero and six in bowl games and then won last year. So so then like at least they have some uh, momentum. They won their first bowl game under, uh, you know, Jim, Jim Harbaugh, like his, his first year there. So uh, the first year of Jim Harbaugh being there, um, they won their bowl game. They uh, they killed my Gators. But then ever since then, they've lost six straight. And when you lose six straight bowl games, that like that creeps into your mind, man. Like that becomes sort of a mental thing right there. And keep in mind that in a few of these bowl games, they've been getting their asses kicked. And it's why I, I, I cannot pick Michigan to – uh, beat Alabama here. So uh, let me just say that my prediction is uh, Alabama 34, Michigan 23. That being said, however, um, I want to make clear of what what I think this game is going to be. I don't think it's going to be a blowout where you know where uh, Michigan scores a uh, last second touchdown to make it uh, look close. I think it's going to be a, a fairly close game uh, throughout most of it, and then Alabama scores a. a last second touchdown to uh, make it look worse than it actually uh, appears. So 34-23 Alabama is my uh, final prediction and Alabama in the uh, college football playoff national championship. Maybe I'm just the crazy guy. I mean, here, here I am picking the Michigan Wolverines and earlier I picked Penn state. um, But you know, this is why I love that we do this because belief. Yes. I mean, we have a difference of opinion when it comes to it and we just feel differently on how the outcomes are going to be but these are the matchups that really matter the earlier bowl games i they, they do matter but not as much as these these are the biggest games of the year for these four schools and they're playing for a championship game so uh, michigan and alabama is it, i think we all can agree is going to be one heck of a game but I think this next game is going to be even better. I think this, believe it or not, is 
the grand finale. It is the fireworks, in my opinion, when it comes to these two bowl <laughs> matchups, and that is the Sugar Bowl with Texas versus Washington. I actually want Ed to go last on this one, and I mean it's pretty obvious why. But so I'm gonna for last, right? I'm, I'm yes, exactly. So I'm gonna start though here. I'm just gonna name off these players here, and you're gonna you're gonna catch my trend. That is Rome Odunze, Jalen Polk, Jalen McMillan versus Xavier Worthy, uh, A.D. Mitchell or Adonai Mitchell, and Jatavian Sanders. What do they all have in common? They are receivers, obviously Sanders being the tight end, but these guys are dogs. I mean, this may be one of the best receiving matchups we have seen in all these bowl games. I mean, Romo Dunze, first-round talent. And probably Jalen McMillan also first round talent. Xavier Worthy, AD Mitchell, they're you know they're they're up there as well. But this is going to be a phenomenal matchup at, when you're a receiver. And we've all heard Michael Penix Jr.'s comments about Texas and their defense, but and how Washington feels like they aren't getting enough talked about. But this is going to be one heck of a game, guys. I I, I was actually split on this. I'll get to my prediction here in a bit, but I was split on this for a while because I'm looking at Quinn Ewers, I'm looking at Michael Penix Jr., and I know Michael Penix Jr. was a finalist. Uh, he was the runner-up with the Heisman Award, and although Quinn Ewers wasn't, he dealt with injuries. Uh, that should not take anything away from the talent of 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 Ewers, and that this is going to be a really close quarterback matchup on the stat line, and I, I just it could even come down to the running game. And I it, I feel for Texas, you know, you had your star running back, uh, Jonathan Brooks, tears ACL, was it ACL, Ed, and, and is out for the year. And it's like, that that is tough. And to see your team go this far, but they're playing for him. Now you have Washington on the flip side with Dylan, uh, Dylan Johnson, who was banged up in the Pac-12 championship game, but man, did he have an amazing game there. And now he should be pretty well recovered. So this game, I think, on both ends is actually going to be pretty well evenly matched. Even though Texas has the one loss this year, I think they are very, very close comp, uh, uh, in team uh, comp. But in the end, I really feel, and I could be wrong because I was all split on this, but I've got Washington and, and Caleb DeBoer have just been on a tear this year. And he's been the best coach in all of college football. Um, you could argue Nick Saban with what he's done. and But what uh, Caleb DeBoer has done for Washington, I think he, he deserves to have the recognition that he deserves as far as being the best coach in all of college football. And I just think that Michael Penix Jr. is going to pull the rabbit out of the hat on this one. And I think that he is going to lead the Huskies to a bowl victory and bring him to the national championship game. But David, please let me know your thoughts. And then we'll go to Ed to really get the cherry on the top here. Before I do, you mind uh, giving us your uh, prediction again? You, uh, you uh, broke up there. At yeah, least absolutely. The end. absolutely. Yeah. So my prediction is 49, 45 Washington. Oh, nice. Yes. Wow. Okay. That's boring. So this this matchup, um, you're looking at a team that is more talented in Texas versus a team that has the better quarterback in Washington. So the question is, what's going to win out in the end? The well-rounded roster of Texas 
or the superhero uh, quarterback play of uh, of Washington. Listen, Texas has the best win of the season when they uh, when they won at Alabama, and I've said several times before, and I'll say it again, that game was a lot worse than thirty four to twenty four indicated. They they straight up kicked Alabama's ass. Well, let's not discredit Washington either because Washington has played a pretty tough schedule as well, including uh, beating Oregon not once but but twice this year. And you know, you know, Matthew, I'm a, you know, I gotta say that uh, I totally get what you mean, man. Like being on the fence because for the longest time, I I wanted I predicted Texas to win this game. Well, I'm sorry to disappoint you, Ed. But I'm actually going to be taking Washington. And the reason why, <laughs> oh, I can't wait to see, hear what Ed has to say about this. And I guess see as well. But I digress. Anyway, the reason why I take Washington here is because how many times have people picked against Washington only for them to make us look like dumbasses? I mean, I picked Oregon to beat Washington in the Pac-12 game. And not only that, I picked Oregon to uh, beat Washington by a pretty significant margin. I think... I think my prediction was uh, like 31-16 or I don't remember what the exact numbers were, but I picked Oregon to uh, beat them pretty, uh, you know, uh, pretty handily. And yet every time Washington gets touted, they prove us wrong. Well, Washington fans, if you're uh, if you're watching this, I'm not going to be uh, doubting you. Uh, Y'all are used to the doubt. Well, there's no doubt coming your way. And I'm going to uh, take y'all in a 37 to 28 victory. Now let's listen to Ed tell us how absurdly we wrong we are. <laughs> what? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so <clears throat> at the beginning of this year, uh, people looked at the Texas Longhorns schedule and said, could they be back? You know, and then we got to week two. And David, you already said it, best win of the season going to Alabama and dominating really the second half of that game. You know, and they're like, are they really back? Is this really a thing? We lose the Red River rivalry and everyone's like, ah, it's them again. It's those guys again. Well, this is a different mindset. They have learned to handle prosperity in a way that they have not done since Mac Brown was uh, patrolling the sidelines with Colt McCoy, Vince Young, and, you know, Major Applewhite, Chris Sims, all those guys through that incredible stretch through the early 2000s. So <clears throat> I will say, more importantly, the most important player on the field, in my opinion, is actually Jonathan Majors. Who's Jonathan Majors? He's the center for the Longhorns. He's going to be the guy that's going to basically be the field general for the offensive line that is there to create the great wall around Quinn Ewers, which he has done magnificently, but he has had some injury issues. So if he gets knocked out, we have some Houston, we have a problem. Uh, Washington's defensive line has gotten better over the course of the season you can see it in their play as that's uh, taken place. You know, uh, but also on the flip side, Washington's offensive line, 
I I don't see them as gotten as developed over the course of the season as what Texas's defensive line has been uh, just wrecking people. You know, from uh, from Anthony Hill, who I think is needs to have an awesome game and make a big play for this to happen for the Longhorns to to the best the best tackle tandem in college football. And that's Tavondre Sweat and Byron uh, Murphy. They are just game wreckers right in the center of that defense. And everybody's talking about it being such this high flying, you know, pen ball scoreboard type of game. I don't see it that way. I see the defenses having a leg up with the offenses that need rhythm taking a month to get to this game. And how do you create rhythm? You're going to create rhythm with the running game. Texas, while yes, we did lose Jonathan Brooks to the ACL tear, but the starting the starter for week one was a true freshman, C.J. Baxter. Uh, behind him, we had Jaden Blue, who has uh, been in the program for two years. We have the transfer from Alabama, Keelan Robinson, and we have uh, – Savion Red, who has been running a Red Cat uh, type of offense in a special package of plays. So there's a lot that Texas can do in the running game to gain the rhythm that they need to play this game. Whereas Washington, even though uh, Dylan Johnson has been phenomenal, he has been a supplement to the pass game. And if that pass game isn't working, I don't see him taking over and creating all the opportunities that they need to beat Texas for all that being said. Yes, I do indeed have the Texas Longhorns beating the Washington Huskies, but I do not have it at a score that most people would think of. I do have that at a 24 19 clip. That is probably the biggest surprise of what I had to say in this prediction is the fact that, we're talking about a total of uh, 43, point, uh, 43 points total. You guys are saying that it's going to be 43 points to win the game. I'm saying 43 points total simply because you've got a lot a lot riding on these rhythm offenses and play callers uh, to get to the end of this game. Well, what's going to get you to the end of this game? is the running game, and I think Texas has a more dynamic version of that with the defensive line. gonna They are going to get to Michael Penix at least a couple of times and throw him off of his spot. Michael Penix is very good about getting around the pocket to create throwing lanes for himself, but I think the Texas uh, defensive line will be able to get to them, get to him a couple of times to throw him off of his rhythm and I don't think the Washington offense will be able to uh, overcome that uh, type of physicality. So this is very interesting because I think all three of us have different national championship predictions. Matthew, you got Michigan versus Washington. Ed, you've got Alabama versus Texas. And I've got Alabama versus Washington. So one of us has to be right here, right? Unless Alabama, Washington, Michigan... Yes, one of us has to be right here. 
dare I say, tune in next time to see who was right. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah, hey, you know, I'm, I'm glad you said that, David, because I know this is kind of contradictory, and I still am choosing Michigan to beat Alabama, but I want the audience to know that at the beginning of the season, me and David chose our national champions as Alabama. So, and, and even after week two, everyone thought we were crazy, Alabama, and here they are. You know, this is Nick Saban, and this is why me and David chose them, because Nick Saban. I mean, it, that's the story that is written every year, is that Alabama is just, they always find a way. And we're going to find out come Monday if they do indeed find a way to go to the national championship. But, yeah. And one thing for me, uh, going into this season, I actually had the Longhorns not making it to the playoff. Yeah. I didn't think that they were going to do it. I being very cautiously optimistic, but trying to be very tepid as far mm-hmm. as what my expectations for them were. I had actually picked Georgia because Georgia's Georgia until they're not Georgia. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I thought Alabama was going to have three losses. You know, winding up with only the one is a surprise to me. So. Oh. It was re- it was super easy for me to uh, pick Georgia to not win at all, and it's not not just because I'm a Florida fan, but teams just don't three peat anymore, man. And by the way, um, uh, thinking about it, yes, there is a scenario where all three of us could be wrong about our national championship predictions because Michigan versus Texas could happen. Yeah, yeah, which so. would be which would make week two of next season a rematch. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Yeah. So either way, we're in for a treat on the national championship game because team really that is superior than the other. So it's going to make this so interesting. We may even get a rematch of Texas versus Bama. You know, it's it could it could work out to be like that. But we're in for a treat regardless. We win as fans regardless. Maybe not Ed if Texas doesn't win. But as college football fans, you know, we're, and and we are going to win with any of these matchups. So I'm excited. Um, I'm excited to hear what you guys have to say as well. So put in the comments your predictions on whether it's all six of the, the New Year's matchups or even if it's just the college football playoffs because they are all pivotal games, but no more than the final four between Michigan, Alabama, and Texas and Washington. So put that in the comments. Hit that like, hit that subscribe button, share these videos, let people know, you know, all about us and what we're about. And, you know, we strive to give you guys what you are also wanting. So put that as well in the comments button, our comment section of what you would like us to talk about more or talk about next. But we appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, next time you see us, Ed will be happy or he will not. So we will find out then. But tune in next time, guys. And we appreciate you guys being here. And have a safe and happy new year from the three of us. But we are rounding third and we are headed for home.